this text comes 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is well for a man not to touch a woman. But because of cases of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife the conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement, for a set time to devote yourselves to prayer. And then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This I say by way of concession, not of command. I wish all were as I myself am. But each has a particular gift from God, one having one kind and another a different kind. To the unmarried and the widows I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried as I am. But if they are not practicing self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does separate, let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I and not the Lord, that if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister is not bound. It is to the peace that God has, it is to peace that God has called you. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. So to begin today, we have to address the fact that it's become very, very common in some circles to say, well, that's what Paul says, that's not what Jesus says. So we're going to go to today's first reading back in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus preaches on divorce. Notice how Jesus ends it in verse 11. But Jesus said to them, Not everyone can accept this teaching, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs that have been made eunuchs by others, and there are eunuchs who are made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this that can. That is where we get into verse 7. Now considering of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is well for a man not to touch a woman. Basically, in Jesus' teaching, he is setting the standard for 
Christian control of sexual appetites as we taught yesterday as being total. There's really no wiggle room in that. And I think what has happened in the church is the debates over priestly clerical celibacy, having been handled in the Reformation matter, have transformed now into a value system that I don't think matches one-to-one with the biblical witness. Now, it will come up in other places that Paul will say that the single pastor is a more efficient pastor. Paul wishes also here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, I wish you were all as I myself am. That is the standard that Christ set for the kingdom people, to be so heavenly minded that perhaps most of us would scoff that they are not of any earthly use. Now the church debate, to get into the church history, was for a long time, especially in the Eastern traditions, you'll still find it, there was such thing as married clergy. And it was always viewed, as Jesus said, that some have the gift to be celibate, some do not. And normally, because the celibate men didn't have concerns of family or anything, they tended to rise through the ranks. But a change happened in the Western church regarding sacraments. To not get too technical, in the developed medieval sense, there was the idea that when you gave the blessing of the sacrament, now Protestants don't hold ordination to be a sacrament, but in Catholicism it is, They felt that when they ordained a person, they were infusing special grace, and one of those graces they felt was celibacy. There's no biblical justification for that, because even the disciples in Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus is done speaking about marriage and his views of it, The disciples say in verse 10, if it's such a case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. And Jesus responds, not everyone can accept or apply this teaching. So what the reformers did was they eliminated the forced celibacy, taking here very much what Paul writes in verse 2, because of cases of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So the biblical position that they came to was not that they were rejecting that people can have a, I guess you would say, holy singleness, nor that Jesus taught such. But what they were teaching was you couldn't force someone who didn't have that gift into that gift, and that the biblical answer here is if you don't have that gift, then go ahead and get married. Now, that being said, the reason I say there's a conflict between biblical values and worldly values is how we define what a marriage is and how we define the place of marriage. Now, it is not true of this congregation, and probably some of you won't believe it, but there are many churches in which marriage is seen as the only way to eat at the adults' tables. I've heard lots of stories of women who are single and 30, who try to go to the church Bible study because they are single, they're persona non grata. They are not wanted there. And it can be very difficult for 
Just ask any single Christian you know to blend into many churches that so promote family, that promote it as the only way, and make it this completely holy thing. And it's just difficult because we have to contrast there with what Jesus teaches. Some of his hardest teachings is when Jesus is preaching and the man comes up and says, can I bury my father and mother? And Jesus says, no, leave your family behind and come follow me. It's, it's that most difficult part of Christian teaching, something we'd have to get into on another day, but that is still there. And I do worry that the sense of family values hides, the, hides and obscures the fact that Jesus is calling here for the ultimate path to holiness, and it'll drive what Paul is going to get to in these tables of rules. So to sum it all up, in the world, the message is that marriage is about each other. It's about a partnership, and it's about making one another happy and fulfilling one another. In Paul's view that he's going to use, and in Jesus's view when he teaches on marriage, every single aspect of human life is to be dedicated to the pursuit of holiness, of closeness to God. So while we don't use sacramental language in Protestant churches, we still affirm that the point of marriage is not so much the partners, is not so much making you happy, as the point of marriage is to make you holy and to lead you closer to Christ. And that is where we're going to get into what Paul is talking about here in chapter 7. Paul in verse 1 says, Now it's better for a man not to touch a woman to just be completely dedicated to Jesus. Yes, that is the fastest way to be holy. But if you can't do it, <laughs> Paul says, but because of cases of sexual immorality, that which would drive you away from Christ that we explored last week, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. That's the created order in Genesis, appointed by God in the normative path for most people. But we also notice here in Paul's introduction, now concerning matters about which you wrote. So Paul here is going to be responding to specific questions that the Corinthians asked. And he gives us some basic frameworks for what a marriage that makes people holy looks like. First off, he gets to verse 4. A wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. A repeat of Jesus and the Old Testament's teaching that the two shall become one and what God combines cannot be separated. So there's an aspect of giving here. And it, if we talk about sexuality in the body last week, notice here it's a bodily giving. The, the message of holiness of the cross of self-sacrifice is what's coming here just as much as anything passionate and romantic. Here Paul is saying that you know how Christian love tends to be shaped sacrificially and by giving to the other? Here he puts on both men and women that within marriage, that will be their guide. And it's important here to remember that some folks in yesterday decided they only liked the first part of the verse, but Paul puts the second one in there too. And because of the use of marriage to control desires and appetites, we get verse 5. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps for agreement for a set time for prayer. 
so that you may not be tempted by a lack of self-control. But Paul here again is going to repeat what we were speaking about earlier, that six, this I say by way of concession, not a command. For I wish all were as I myself am. Paul would have not been a pastor that would be very fond of drive-by weddings. And it's interesting to think how perhaps he may have preached very differently from some of the folks you see today. You have the the youth pastors, they do wonderful work, bless their, bless their hearts, and I don't mean that in a southern way. They, they do wonderful work, and they tell children, you know, you have to seek a godly spouse, but at the same time, I do wonder if Paul got, got up on the pulpit in front of the youth and said, well, maybe you don't even need a spouse and to worry about any of that stuff. Because that's kind of what he says here in verse 8. To the unmarried and widows, I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried as I am. But if they are not practicing self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to be aflame with passion. You'll notice here we're getting into a lot of what we talked about last week. For a quick refresher for those of you who missed it, basically Paul sees sexuality as an appetite. And his problem with the Corinthians is they pretty much let it run unchecked. And so Paul here throughout this chapter is using marriage as a check on the appetite. And that, but it's kind of a concession to the appetite. In verse 10, to the married I give this command, and I but the Lord that the wife should not separate from her husband. And here we get into an interesting bit. The teaching of Jesus normally on divorce, we tend to eliminate that little part where Jesus says, well, a man should not divorce his wife except for adultery. We don't find that in each one of the four Gospels, so it's very common for some zealous people to go in there and pluck that one and kind of cut it out and leave it as strict as humanly possible. Paul doesn't here agree with that, even though he does qualify it. In verse 14, I'm sorry, uh, 15, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. It is to peace that God has called you. So where Jesus said that if the marriage is broken by unchastity to the point that it cannot continue, he allows the separation there. Paul here sees that if there is such a separation between the believing spouse and the unbelieving spouse, which in the first world would not be anything resembling safe, he allows the partners to separate. But, so, there's not too much of the, I don't want to get into the anti-zealotry on this one. What I really want to get into is how this little next bit kind of pushes Paul's point that marriage makes holy. So, he talks about, in verse 12, to the rest I say, if a believer has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And the reason he says that is because the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy through the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So Paul is again using the image of a Christian marriage, not so much as for personal fulfillment or happiness, but as a sanctifying and a path that makes things holy. Now this is one of those sermons that 
it's really hard for me to put the put the direct gospel pitch into it. But this is one of those ones that I feel is important to f- preach because what we don't want to do is we don't want to be ignorant of the biblical viewpoints. It's one thing to not agree with them, but it's another thing to have never heard them. And in this case, what the what the text, what the New Testament, what that early Jesus movement pushes for in regards to marriage and relationships is holiness. Jesus sees that those who become the eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom, that give everything they have, that leave father and mother and follow him, are on the path to holiness on the highway. It's a, it's a narrow path, but it is the most direct way to do it. Um, there is approval of zeal in that. Paul likewise says that he is taking that path, and if he had his way, most disciples would follow him in doing, taking a lifestyle that would serve the kingdom the most directly and make everyone the most holy. But because not everyone can do it, Paul here approaches marriage as part of a calling and part of that direction of being holy towards the Lord. So where marriage in the Old Testament was about being fruitful and multiplying, Paul here in saying that marriage steps down a little bit, he's not willing to let it go that they are still on the path to holiness. And this should really question how a lot of us are treating marriage nowadays. If your marriage is about making you personally happy, about fulfillment of yourself, if it's just about the two of you, well, then it is pretty easy to dissolve. But if you are a Christian who does not have the gift of celibacy and marriage is the calling into which you enter towards making yourself holy, you should think long and hard of discarding such even if it is cross-shaped and at times a little bit more of a commitment and a duty than a feeling. Now this, as in all things, has lots of extremes and little stipulations, and there's a lot of stuff that happens in life. A lot of stuff happens in marriage. Sometimes it feels, it's a little hard because people preach that marriage will make you happy and make you more holy. Many times marriage exists, I think, to point out what's, what's wrong with us and what we need to work on. There's a bit of conviction that comes once you've been at it for a while. But for those who are considering marriage or have been in it, or for you who it is a long-off thing that you're not even going to think about till college is over, it is important for us to recognize that when we're talking about marriage and sexuality, wrapping these last two chapters up, this gets to last week too. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you watch last week's so you'll understand this message even better. That Scripture is not, the New Testament is not particularly as obsessed with the married state as the church may sometimes be. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the teachings of your Son, Jesus Christ, on celibacy rarely are mentioned these days. But I think that a healthy focus on that 
And on the holiness you've called us to that at times can strike us and shock us as way too extreme and way too hard and way too monk-sounding, actually do us some good. Lord, you said the seed always is threatened by the weeds that would choke it out. Keep us minded on heavenly things to deal with these subjects that might seem esoteric. But your Holy Spirit put them into scripture and we teach them because we know they are useful. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen.